Welcome to Boiling Point, the podcast to motivate ever-evolving entrepreneurs and forward-thinking movement pioneers. Our hosts, filmmaker Greg Hemmings and executive coach Dave Vale, are turning up the heat in the world's business communities. Our interviews with entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and movement makers are raising the temperature of inspiration. Live from the hottest studio in this quadrant of the universe, here are Dave and Greg. Hey, Boiling Pointers. Thanks so much for tuning into this week's episode. Before we start, Dave and I want to let you know all about our Boiling Point process, online courses, live events, and masterminds. After interviewing hundreds of leaders, we've packaged a ton of knowledge together to serve up to you. Info that will help you and your company be heard in a very noisy marketplace. So visit www.boilingpointprocess.com and sign up for the email newsletter and we'll let you know when our next cohort or event is. Thanks also for supporting The Boiling Point by subscribing to us on iTunes and also leaving a rating for us. Ladies and gentlemen, our good friend, collaborator, um, old school Boiling Point, probably episode four, uh, Lisa Hrablik to the stage. Yes, Lisa, come on up. Welcome, welcome, Lisa. Hello, now, Lisa. Uh, b- before we start, Lisa, uh, we want to do a little demonstration. Lisa and I were in Dubai together recently working on our latest project, which you should write this down, actually, if you can, themarscollective.org. Check it out so you can uh, see the beginnings of what Lisa and I are doing. But what I learned about Lisa is she keeps me real, keeps me authentic, keeps me honest, uh, and she doesn't have to say anything to do that. She has a look that she has reserved just for me. Can we see that look? <laughs> That's the look. <laughs> I've tried to <laughs> recreate that look. I don't want to see it. And I, I, think, I think she reserves it for me. I'm not totally sure if other people... No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Lisa, wel- welcome back to The Bowling Point. Thank you. Um, it's only been two days. Yes, Lisa That's right. was uh, part of our... Surprise guest. This is your, this is your third. This is, this your third. is my third. Um, and I believe I'm three for three for being... Lisa, we need a guest. No, no, we you're no. You are you're not a fill in this one. Not, uh, no way. Okay. Uh-uh. okay. <laughs> so, so Lisa, why don't you just uh, introduce in our typical bowling point form? Introduce folks uh, about the wicked ideas, Lisa, and the uh, social movement maker, Lisa, and the amazing hair, Lisa, who I love so much. I'm so sorry for bringing that up, but I just can't help myself. I know, you, you always bring that up. Um, okay, so hi, my name is Lisa Rablick. You actually don't pronounce the H, but that's okay, half of my friends do. And I just did. Yeah, you uh, did. I, I'm still your friend. Um, um, so I'm a journalist, I'm an author, a social uh, change maker, and so Wicked Ideas Media was a company that I started about five or six years ago with the, aim, with the big aim of trying to figure out how to create safe and welcoming spaces for people to come together to learn about and then influence change in their communities. And because my background is as a journalist, I wanted to be able to use storytelling to see how we could do that. So that is sort of what I experiment with and am attempting to do, um, have been attempting to do over the years, and learning to use it through various different means. That was awesome. So as a result, Lisa, you have... Uh, been able to serve communities through content for quite some time. The theme of this particular interview is how do we continue to serve our community through content, but specifically through your experience in using words to do that? 
Right. Written words. Written words. Yes. Yeah, I'm not a video person. Um, I'm married to a photographer, Mike Hawkins. He is a video person. He loves watching video. Um, I, I am, I'm not a video person. Um, I am a words person because I find I can consume more information reading than watching a video. Videos um, frustrate me. I find it takes too long. And we're making one together right now. <laughs> it's very frustrating for Lisa. Well, it'll be frustrating to watch. <laughs> I think it'll be awesome. I can't wait to see it. Um, so yeah. So what do you what do you want to know about words? Well, I, th- I think in the context of uh, wicked ideas, mm-hmm. you're you've got a community that you've built uh, sure. around I- the ideas that you are helping to uh, accelerate and ignite and promote. A lot of these uh, folks in the room are entrepreneurs or students who um, have the capacity to be content creators. Right. But you have to do it in a way that is serving your community, the people that are that you want to impact. Right, and and I think you've your other guests have spoken um, repeatedly about the need to identify who is you, who are you speaking to, and where are they, and then how do you engage with them? And so I know, um, so I kind of. I kind of have two kind of audiences that I'm looking at. Uh, So I know that I'm talking to executives and senior government officials um, on the one hand because they're the ones who have to learn how to engage in a different way to bring people into a conversation. So when I'm thinking at a macro level about what I'm trying to do to create that space, I need to be talking to the actual um, executive decision makers. But on the issues themselves, and because as a journalist I'm so passionate about people understanding what is happening in their world and in their community, I am talking to the the public often using my to- using through these topics, but I also recognize that I'm not talking to every single person in a community. I'm talking to uh, a very specific person, and I'm okay with that because that's what I always say to people: start with who wants to be talking with you and who wants to be engaging with you, and then they'll bring others along. I, I say it's a bit like it's the uh, it's the Amazon review rule, right? Uh, you go on Amazon or you go on Best Buy and you read the reviews and that helps you decide whether or not you're going to purchase something. So oftentimes, I alone and just me saying to someone, please read me, isn't enough. You have to get an endorsement from someone. So someone says, you know what, I really, really love the Boiling Point mm-hmm. podcast or mm-hmm. I really love what Lisa's saying. you got to check this out, um, is what brings people to me. So that's how I know who am I speaking to. And so I always um, go by a very simple rule. Um, as a writer, uh, most artists, who whatever, at whatever medium you create in, we have what I call um, our own private audience. And so I might be on a stage speaking to a few thousand people, but I have someone in my head. And when I'm writing, and uh, this has been the way ever since I became a journalist, I'm always writing for my family. So um, when I think about my my family, it covers a lot of generations. So I have my parents who um, were the ones who raised me to believe in being an engaged, active citizen. They're in their 80s. My sisters, I'm the youngest, uh, are on the brink of retirement. I have nieces and nephews just getting started in their early 30s and 20s, and then I have a 13-year-old daughter. So depending on what I'm writing or talking about, they're in my head, and I'm creating it so that they will understand Mm. what I am saying. 
That's uh, I've never thought of it that way. That's a really excellent way yeah. to 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 process. I, I, it would almost be a little intimidating though. I'm trying to think of writing for my mother. Like, oh my gosh. Um, what about you? you know, you've done some really things. I mean, this is about writing for a community, but you've done some really excellent things um, and innovative things around building community, right? right. Around uh, a cause or an idea. And, and and I understand maybe you could tell people about bringing an audience or um, a, a students together. Uh, very recently, or right? Was, yeah, and, last year. It was and, last year, and and like, and to me, that's a community movement, right? And right. and and how does that happen? Because <laughs> it didn't just you, you didn't just put uh, you know write uh, you know uh, like a blog post and and then all of a sudden this community emerged at I think it was Harbor Station, right? Yeah, right? we brought so, so, we brought um, in ten weeks. Yes, uh, and literally it was ten weeks. Uh, me and a few other people created an event that brought thirty five hundred. Uh, students from middle and high schools around New Brunswick. Right, to and my, my son uh, yeah. participated in it and yeah. loved it. Yeah. So, so, so if you could back us up, sure. This is because to me, this is around building community for a purpose, right? And um, and I would just be kind of curious if you were to to lay out the foundation and kind of layer on how how the event actually came off and sure, sure. Okay? And it's a great pre- it's a great precursor to then what I was able to bring to the Mars Project, the Mars, and what we'll continue to do. So. Um, in the last few years, I've been thinking a lot about, um, well, I think a lot about where, where topics intersect. So uh, as a journalist at the Telegraph Journal, I wrote a lot about the economy and I wrote about politics. And then in the last few years, I've been thinking a lot about the public education system as well and thinking about that big, huge issue about how do we uh, right the ship here in New Brunswick? How do we get ourselves off on the right path into the 21st century so that we can uh, create wealth? And so I look at students, and so I look at my daughter, who's now in grade eight, so she was in grade seven last year, and how can I, as a parent, prepare Alexandra for the world of work and how to be that engaged citizen? So I started thinking, how do you begin to explain to children that they have a role to play in our society? And... In New Brunswick, it's a very particular role. We need them to play. We need them to see that we need them to put their efforts into this province. We need them to see not only that there is an opportunity for them to be successful, but that their success is um, required for our province to move forward. It's almost like a civic duty. It's a civic duty, exactly. So how do you do that? Well, so I come from the world of journalism, and we have this expression, and I see Dave Stonehouse, my colleague from the Telegraph, sitting in front of me, so he knows this expression, show, don't tell. When you're going to go out and do uh, any, you're going to be a good reporter, you're going to show people the story, you're not going to tell them the story. You have to illustrate it through your writings. And so that's why, you know, whenever, you know, you're covering the provincial or federal budget, there's always that story of the family of four and how the budget's affecting them. That's showing, not telling. So, okay, so how are we going to show, don't tell? I said, okay, so this is what we're going to do. We're going to bring these kids together in Harbor Station. 
we're going to have them tell their stories because there's already interesting things being happening in this province. So we're not going to put a bunch of grown-ups on that stage. We're going to put kids on that stage. Where the grown-ups are going to be, they're going to be around Harbor Station. So then I went out and I talked to nonprofits, businesses, and everybody, and I said, I want you to come, and I want you to tell these kids about the really cool things you're doing. We're going to set up booths. We ended up having 66 different organizations from around New Brunswick come that day. And then I literally got on, emailed personally teachers and principals to try to, to get them to bring those students. And, it, and what was really interesting was discovering where the teachers and principals are that are really, really want to participate. So, you know, like George Street School, they practically brought the whole school, right, up in Fredericton. So that, it was, it was framing the story, who's it for, what do we need to tell these kids, and then selling it to the people who had to bring them. Nice. This is this is really good. So I think um, what Lisa is, yeah, there yeah. we go, there we go. And what I what I love about Lisa's approach is it really, I, yes, nice, <laughs> yes. And we got some amazing high school students in here today who uh, really appreciate. Well, your and words. it and it was a really and like I said, we got thirty five hundred people. Um, there were there was uh, three busloads came from northern New Brunswick. We had. Um, the Lustigouche First Nation sent um, almost the entire grade seven and eight class. Awesome. So, so, and, and, so but, traveled five and a half hours and to be here. What's, what's what I love about this story is it's a tangible example of um, you know wanting to make a difference, yep. um, but not showing the difference or not not telling the difference you want, but uh, f- finding a way to show. I and, love that and creating space like we talked about before. Giving other people opportunities to shine and share their story. So Lisa's not up there saying, "Hey, look at me." It's like let's create space because you know how to do that right. for other people. Well, and you talk about safe space, safe and it's space. And, it's, and it's right, safe and welcoming, and I think that's so important—a safe space for people to be able to speak and feel like they won't be attacked, which is incredibly difficult in this day and age right yeah, now. Yeah. And welcoming. And welcoming is really, really important because people are tentative and people are shy. And so that's our role. When we have been given the gift and the talent to hold a microphone and hold the attention of a room, it is our responsibility to create the space to share that microphone. That's incredible. Thank you, Lisa. So you, he's, you're going to do a segue to, no, to sharing the microphone I'm, I'm with the audience. To, I know you are. I'm, take it to the, I'm just going to take it straight to the audience. Okay. Uh, I forgot my segue in my garage back home. So. Uh, <laughs> Has anybody ridden a segue before? I have. Those yeah, they're are cool, so amazing. They're awesome. Um, okay, so audience, we've got uh, a true movement maker, uh, space creator, holder, and storyteller. Let's, let's get some questions. And but the, we can bring the, a microphone the segue across. is share the mic, right? We're going to share the mic. Okay, so the mic's heading up there, and we've got uh, four minutes, so just a couple of uh, questions. Thank you. My name's Brooke. I work at the St. John Women's Empowerment Network, and my question is, how do you reach past your echo chamber? So we recently ran an event called Changing the Narrative, um, and we wanted to reach as broad as we could in terms of changing the narrative on consent, on domestic violence, on a variety of different issues. But we found, I mean, with these events all the time, that the people who came were already the people that wanted to learn, already knew about the topics, and we couldn't, we had a hard time reaching the people that either 
we thought didn't want to learn or didn't already know on the topic. So how do you reach past that? Yeah, so that's actually what um, I my consultancy is about helping people do that. And so what I say is we all um, approach topics from a self-interested point of view. So when we're explaining a topic, we're explaining it from our point of view, and we all do this. And what we have to really uh, concentrate on is understanding what is bugging the group you're trying to reach. Not what's bugging them about the topic you want to talk about. What's just What's bugging them? What's, what's, what's on their minds? And then how can you reframe your topic so that they can relate to it through what is top of mind for them? If that makes awesome. any sense. That's a great answer. Thanks, Lisa. Yep. Okay, another, just pass the microphone down. And if, uh, oh, there we go. Rivers has it. We need a big block. Yeah, the block microphones are awesome. They don't hurt people when you throw them it's at like them. A, it's like a Nerf block. It's oh, really? a microphone. You just yeah, chuck it around. Conference, conference Nerf block microphones. I've never seen that. <laughs> wanna, so, why don't we have one, Greg? So you talk a lot about kids, but you don't talk about the poverty rate of youth or how the, what you're doing well, affects Well, not them. in the last five minutes, I haven't. Yes, but... <laughs> Do you think, but I do. <laughs> do you think there's a difference between affecting kids that are already going to school or then affecting kids that are in poverty who might not go to school all the time? And, and affect, uh, reframe, rephrase your question. I'm not quite sure I understood what you're asking. So currently in St. John, we have a 30... Currently in St. John, we've got a 30% poverty rate, which yeah. is double the national average. So... You keep talking about kids that are, get to do all these things and get to go to school or in, are enjoying all these extra activities that they do, but what about the kids that sort of don't feel the same way or don't get to do that? Or maybe Is the question uh, a little bit about how do we reach those? Yeah. Okay, great. And that was a great exercise right there, rephrasing re, uh, your question, so awesome. Well, so I think it's sort of the same answer I just gave. I think in order to reach whoever we're trying to reach, we have to better understand what is top of mind for them and reframe what you're trying to do to reach them. So kids living in poverty, what's top of mind for them right now, and how can you then connect um, engaging with New Brunswick and a career path in education so that it is meaningful to them. That's how you would do that. Hi. Hey. I, I just want to say thank you, first of all. Um, uh, I'm You're Zach. welcome. I consider myself a blogger, and now I can now uh, consider myself an entrepreneur, social entrepreneur. Um, but the thing... No considering. Guess, yeah. You are. <laughs> um, I'm a blogger, so uh, the thing... <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was really hesitant to start blogging and to start posting on social media for a while, and that's because I don't like to to, to brag. Um, I mean, I know speaking about it, it's like I, I like to stay humble. I know saying that is like a, kind of the opposite, but I want to. <laughs> I'm just. Uh, I'm wondering if you. I can tell me see how, you're conflicted. Yeah, how do I? How do I put my message out there? How do I share my story without seeming like I, I'm bragging or seeming like oh I'm better than everyone else? Like. I. I think you just have to be yourself. And, and I agree, that's really, really difficult. Like as a journalist, um, when I um, was first given, because I, I was a political columnist, and when I was first given my political column, my editor said to me, never write, never write in the first person because it's not about you, it's about your audience. And so I have to confess that the digital world is very difficult for me because I do not like 
writing about me or making it about me. So then don't, right? So you don't have to use the personal pronoun in your writing. You can write in the third person. You can put the spotlight on others and your byline will allow people to know it was your idea. And one little addition to that, Lisa, when we interviewed you two days ago, um, <laughs> you've got, and I think it's shared amongst many people in the entrepreneurial uh, space, you, you've got a bit of a beef for our collective Atlantic Canadian humility that we need to get over. Right. Do you want to really quickly speak to that, and then we'll move to our last question? Well, I mean, so that speaks to when Greg and I went to Dubai, and I've, I'm, I'm encountering this more and more as I work on different topics. The world is changing so rapidly, and here in New Brunswick, we think, oh, my God, we're never going to get ahead, and oh, my God, we're falling behind, and everybody else is doing so much better. But, I mean, we flew halfway around the world to Dubai. Well, actually, probably almost around the world. Um, and we got there, and we're talking to all these mucky mucks from uh, massive, huge centers and from Harvard and all that, and they don't have it figured out any either. Nobody has it figured out because we're living in this age of great uncertainty. And so where I think New Brunswick can vault ahead um, is if it, if it just comes together and agrees, yes, we're going to do this. And so if everybody who, like I say, that I begin to say this more and more, if everybody who actually wants to be a change maker, regardless of topic, regardless of any of that, puts their hand up and we all agree to support each other. So if you're going to be working on poverty and you're going to be working on innovation and you're working on, on sports, I'm going to help you and I'm going to support you because it's about change and it's about momentum. And then New Brunswick can vault ahead because there's only 750,000. It shouldn't be all that hard for us to support each other. Yeah. You'd but, think. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and that just goes back to don't worry about the whole feeling of uh, seeming pretentious. You're not. <clears throat> you, we're actually desperately thirsty for a point of view and uh, putting, putting a flag in. So keep doing your great work. Well, and, and the only thing I could add is that there's some people that are going to be detractors. There's some people that are not going to like it. There's some people who say, you know, who are you to say that? Uh, but there's more people that are going to like what you're saying and consume it and enjoy it. Okay, that would be my theory. My editor once came to me at the paper and he said, Lisa, keep doing what you're doing. You get more hate mail than anyone. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Okay, our last question. Sir, in the front. Okay, um, I, was, I like what you say about creating space. Uh, you talk about making it safe and making it welcoming. And I just wanted to add one more thing. I think you need to fill that space with glad expectations. Mm -hmm. I don't think that we can say um, New Brunswick isn't doing this, isn't doing this. We just have to express authentically, which I have heard all day long, when you do that with an open heart and a still mind, you resonate. And when you resonate, it's not about pitching people. It's about expressing who you are, and you will attract, and you don't know. And even with personas, sometimes that can create a cap and a limit. If you just express without that in mind, whoever is supposed to come will come. We cannot know. We never will know. Everywhere I go, forget everything I know. <laughs> Love, that's awesome. Thank you for, for that. And I, I feel that um, we're lacking that, uh, but it's... I am seeing it, and it seems to be in the artist and the entrepreneurial space that there's a lot of people who are actually carrying the flag. I keep on saying, carrying that flag. You know, we believe in this place. So it's, it's got no immediate business benefit for me to keep on saying, New Brunswick has potential. I love this place. But it's true. I do love this place, and I believe it's got potential. So the more I say that, the more Lisa says it, the more Dave says it, the more we have this conversation, we can actually make change in a way that uh, just by changing the dialogue 
that you know it's the uh, the tail wagging the dog scenario, and that's an attractive thing, and it's okay if people call you out on it because I'm one of those happy shiny people that people uh, you know I oftentimes am not uh, talking with that provocative point of view, which I really respect a lot, but that's not my style of, of entering uh, and sharing and showing up. Um, but part of my thing, my, per, my personal mission is to do, to show up in a way that inspires as much as I possibly can. And uh, yeah. So how do people find you, Lisa, if they want to reach um, out and learn more? Uh, so uh, the website's wickedideas.ca. Uh, Wicked Ideas Media on Facebook. My, my Facebook page is just personal, So, but if you want to connect with me on Facebook, go through Wicked Ideas Media. I'm, I have a Twitter account, but I don't use it very much, and I'm also on LinkedIn. I am the only Lisa Rablick in the world, so as long as you can spell my last name, you can find me. And it's not that, I've heard it. That, that, is, that, <laughs> is that for real? Yeah. Wow. Well, you, you, you're the only Lisa Rablick on the interwebs. <laughs> I am the only Lisa Rablick on the interwebs, but the Rablick last name is not actually a very common last name. Yes. So, anyways. Lisa... Thank you. My pleasure. Thank you, Lisa. Awesome. <laughs> and Lisa, you are not a fill-in. You are an absolute amazing honor to have as a guest. Thank Thanks for checking out this episode of Boiling Point. Remember to rate and subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at Boiling Point Pod. To see more from Dave Vale, check out leadershipunleashed.ca or visioncoachinginc.com and on Twitter at Dave underscore Vale. And to catch up with Greg, visit HemmingsHouse.com and at Greg Hemmings on Twitter. Thanks for listening, and remember, keep that pot boiling. Hi, this is Candace Sampson, the voice behind What She Said. My show is your destination for stories that not only entertain, but also educate and empower. Every week, I spotlight strong female voices from across Canada, women who are changing the narrative and driving change. Don't miss out on these inspiring episodes. Subscribe on Apple, Spotify, and Amazon Music, or head over to whatshesaidtalk.com. What She Said can also be heard on blasttheradio.com, Mondays at 5 p.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. That's blasttheradio.com. It's time to dive into the stories that truly matter.